0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are excited to have Dr. Joe McElhaney on the show today. Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Joe is an OBGYN. He is also the founder and chairman of the Medical Institute of Sexual Health that focuses in on adolescent sexual health. And he has authored, co-authored three books, Hooked, Girls Uncovered, as well as Safe Sex. Joe, before we dive into your books, tell us a little bit about your history.
2: I'm an OBGYN. Uh, my practice primarily there in Austin was in fertility care, um, and when we were able to start laparoscopy, I started practicing 68 before laparoscopy, but when we were able to start laparoscoping people, we could see the fallopian tubes were just a mess. If it was a woman, that was the mm. problem uh, with a fertility issue, uh, and we came to realize pretty quickly after we were seeing these terribly damaged fallopian tubes, like they'd had uh, blue cord on them that... It was from sexually transmitted disease. Most of the time, mm. uh, chlamydia uh, and these girls had gotten infected with chlamydia back in high school or college when they were having sex with their boyfriends and never knew they got infected. Um, and at that time, it, uh, damage to the woman's lochum tubes was the most common reason for a woman being fertile if the mm. woman was the problem. Mm. Um, so... Um, I started um, looking at our literature, going to our meetings. Nobody ever talked about preventing uh, this disease process that was hurting so many couples, so many women later on when they got married and wanted to have children. So um, I uh, started speaking out about it. Wrote my, my first book actually was 1985, 1250 Healthcare Questions Women ask. It was a big 700-page mm-hmm. volume, but one of the big chapters in there was about sexually transmitted disease. Anyway, I got fr- frustrated by nobody doing anything. Started the Medical Institute in 1992, left my practice in 1995 uh, to run the organization for 10 years, and I'm still involved with it and do some speaking and writing, as you just pointed out and have written these books uh, about the, the sexual issues so much, but also about the, uh, the vulnerability of our young women in this culture. Uh, they are they're actually end up being the victims of Uh, The sexual view that that our society has been sold as being the right approach to sex, which is a sick, sick situation for our young people.
3: So many, I mean, when I look at your books just about the impact of sexual culture on adolescents and and adolescent females specifically, so many questions kind of jump in my head. What is your research slash experience telling you of late how social media has come to impact adolescent sexual behavior?
2: I would say the most uh, obvious uh, symptom of uh, problem from uh, social media is not the sexting, uh, which I'm sure your uh, uh, people understand sexting is taking pictures of your own self and yeah. seeing that uh, nude pictures and stuff like that. But the most common problem right now is the problem of porn. Uh, the statistics mm-hmm. on porn are just horrible. Uh, the uh, National Center on Sexual Exploitation is probably the best group with the research about porn. They point out that over 95, uh, that about 95% of adolescents below the age of 25 are searching for porn every week. Uh, I want to be a little graphic about that because I think you're, the people that uh, are listening to us may not quite understand. When we say, yeah, well, porn is, is so common, but is it really that bad? Um, we uh, visited with one of the top uh, neuroscientists in the world down in San Antonio. As we finished our visit about how the brain is affected by porn, he said, you know what the most common stuff these kids see on porn is? We said, no. He said, well, it's where a couple has sex and then he withdraws and ejaculates on a woman's face or where they have anal sex and he withdraws and has a woman do oral sex without cleaning up. Uh, He said, that's the common stuff. Then he said, "It, it gets bad. And we're going, wow, how can, how can a young man and woman get married and have any idea of what normal, healthy relationship mm-hmm. is between a man and a woman uh, when, when they get married after having fed on this for, for years sometimes? Uh, so is it any wonder that we're seeing divorce rates higher with people when they even do get married?
3: Sure. And we, also, I mean, the, the, the numbers we're seeing, and and, and again, our audience is, we, we've we delved with porn on the kind of a regular basis, as you probably would realize, doing a, a marriage and family kind of a show. But the numbers for women viewing porn, you know, I've heard numbers, you know, upwards of 30% of all porn being viewed are now being viewed by young women.
2: Yes. That's, that's the number I would have said if you'd asked me. I would say about 30%. So it's not limited to guys, it's women, too, uh, that, are, um, that are viewing this stuff. Uh, you know, it's like a drug. And you can go on and on about uh, how, how dangerous it is, how common it is, how, you know, it actually causes shrinking in the brain when people uh, have been on porn for a long time. I think a lot of this stuff we're seeing from Hollywood uh, with Weinstein and these other people uh, are people that have been on porn a lot.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. And
2: that, that then eventually uh, so so changes their brain. They think it's normal just to take advantage yeah. of women. And yeah, it's, remember, it's again, yeah. it's the women that suffer. It's the yeah. that's why I wrote the book called "Girls Uncovered" because I'm saying it's the girls that are having the problems. We as a society have taken their cover off. in in the past, back you know, I was I, I grew up in the '50s. We we didn't. Abused. we We respected girls. We took care of them. We protected them. Uh, and that cover, that protection for them is gone in our society today. And but the I've... girls are suffering.
1: Yeah. You know? And dive into your Girls Uncovered book. That was my next question. You've now said it twice, but girls in all of this sex-saturated, porn-saturated culture, Girls Are the Victim. Dive into your Girls Uncovered book a bit.
2: Well, uh, you know, for example, if we're talking about how uh, the, the outcome of the way we haven't protected girls, who is it that gets abortions? It's not the boys, it's the girls. And we have over 600,000 abortions going on in this country each year now. It's down a little bit, but still it's way, way too many. And it's the girls who get the abortions and the girls in it suffer the emotional impact They try to claim there's no emotional impact, but often a girl who has an abortion suffers from that for a long, long time. It's the girls that suffer sexually transmitted diseases, mostly. The guys carry it. The girls suffer it. About 110 million Americans are living with sexually transmitted diseases, but the ones that suffer infertility are the girls. The ones that suffer the cancer of the cervix are the girls. And yes, with the oral sex going on, both girls and boys are having a huge increased number of cancers of mouth and throat. But still, the girls are the ones that suffer. Um, and you know, we uh, and there's some other stuff that, that actually fits that comes both from this book, "Girls Uncovered, and also from also from book about how girls uh, have uh, secrete oxytocin when they're in a in a in a uh, in an, when they're in sexual, when they're in close contact with a with a, with a guy, mm-hmm. they secret oxytocin. Uh, there's obviously a lot of difficulty knowing exactly how strong this impact is in the girl's life, but it's clear that there's a bonding that goes on, right. largely in part because of oxytocin. So a girl's close to a guy, they're they're skin to skin. This oxytocin pours out. It makes her trusting. It makes her bond to him, mm-hmm. and then they end up. Even when he abuses her, with her staying in that relationship, because unknown to her, her oxytocin has caused her brain to bond to the guy mm-hmm. and to trust him even when he's not trustworthy.
3: And what, is the guy just getting dopamine from that same experience?
2: The guy uh, does uh, get, secrete dopamine, um, which makes him enjoy the kick of being with the girl. Right. Right. Uh, but but he, doesn't, he doesn't get the oxytocin uh, um, bonding. Uh, as strongly uh, as as the girl does. He does produce a little bit of oxytocin, uh, but uh, nothing like what the woman... You know, I
3: guess old sayings get to be old sayings because they tend to be true, but you know, girls use sex to get love and guys use love to get sex.
2: You know, probably people today would laugh at that. Uh, I think I've even heard people sort of make fun of that, but you know, uh, Josh Jimmy, that is absolutely true yeah. uh, still. Uh, and uh, you know, there's some parts of human nature that we just have to accept are true and, right. and uh, deal with it in an appropriate way. Um, right. and you know, my, my daughter's a a, a, psycho, a, a psychotherapist, as, as you guys are, and uh, she says one of the common things she's seeing mm-hmm. are women who have been in these relationships. Um, in fact, she was talking about one, she never reveals who these people are, of course, she's very mm-hmm. careful about that, but uh, one woman that would. Uh, deal with trying to stay out of bed with guys, and then she'd come back in the next week or, or next month and say, you know, I was down at the bar and there's this guy, and 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 sure enough, I woke up in bed with him again, and it was just she was just it was just destroying her. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and young women, I don't think realize you know, how 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 strong uh, their brain guides what they do. It's not that they can't have success and and victory over it, but it is so hard.
1: So you're, of course, dealing in facts. You're dealing in research. Our culture doesn't necessarily love that. And in our gender-neutral culture, do you receive any pushback from your message just regarding that, you know what, this is different, the sexual experience, guys and girls, and girls are the victim. I feel like a lot of people nowadays would want to say, whoa, 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 shaming. pump the brakes, you know, calling women out like that. Is there any pushback to this message of Hooked and Girls
2: Uncovered? You know, uh, I I think, yes, first, uh, clearly there is, okay? Uh, And the main pushback is that people just don't do anything with it. Uh, They hear it, uh, they sort of um, uh, will argue about the uh, hormone uh, influence on the brain, then that part is really, that's, that's really not true. Uh, but I think primarily uh, they're so uh, the people that would be opposed to this message are what would you say so set in their ways. They don't even want to hear it, and so lots of time I think uh, that that people just want to ignore it uh, and don't even don't even push back in the sense of of uh, arguing with you. Now, if you look at the so so-called comprehensive sex education programs around the country, mm-hmm. though. Uh, they're, they are absolutely resisting this whole message. They will not put this information into their sex ed program. So that's why I always call them so-called comprehensive sex ed programs. And so uh, I, I, we don't need, I guess, to get into a, a big discussion of sex education. But I would just suggest to your list, to the listeners uh, for us today, that that if they're going to put a sex ed program in your community, be sure and look at it carefully. Uh, and don't accept one of the programs that calls itself comprehensive sex ed because, in general, in the first place, they don't talk about these things we're talking about now, that girls are more vulnerable, that they have oxytocin, that really can bond them to a guy inappropriately. Uh, they will not talk about how women are more vulnerable to the diseases, how they suffer the pregnancies, uh, and they will not talk about how um, inadequate uh, contraceptives and uh condoms are for protecting against pregnancy and disease. So, yeah, there's a lot of pushback.
3: Joe, I'm just I'm just going to since we just touched on gender for just a second, I can't help but getting someone like you, you know, to talk with us that just this past week, there was a new story out of Delaware that the state legislature in Delaware, there was legislation before it to allow kids when they're entering public schools to let the children decide their gender. I know the American College of Pediatrics has said allowing a child to choose their gender is tantamount to child abuse. As we talk about the sexual landscape of America, it just seems to be getting further and further away from rationality.
2: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It just, uh-huh. You know, yeah. well, you, you wonder how, how mature people can, can even accept this this sort of thing. And, you know, it comes in, in, in so many subtle ways. For example, I got called about two years ago to come to Hawaii. They have uh, one uh, uh, state uh, education. Um, you know, you have, in general, um, a, a community has their a board of education, but the the state of Hawaii has one board of education for the whole state because it's relatively small. Well, they were going to put um, teaching about anal sex into uh, the uh, the curriculum there for kindergartners, and there was this mm-hmm. big uproar that asked me to come and talk about how mm-hmm. that's so inappropriate, how dangerous anal sex is, which I did. Uh, but, you know, that plays into this whole, uh, well, if you're, you know, your gender can be whatever you want, you can do anything you want to sexually, it's all the same, yeah, it's uh, it, the, the whole method. the whole message is just a sick message. that they if they intertwine these different physical things you can do sexually with your gender, uh, and it is absolutely it makes no sense, um, because normal people would say people are born a girl or a boy, and girls and boys have sex when they get married, uh, and we know how that sex is. And that's just what we want our kids to learn and understand.
3: And the weird thing is, if you just if you just espouse the rational approach to gender that has been around for since we crawled out of caves, if if you if you if you have the gall to even question it, you're in some way a hater, in some way a a, a phobic person who is a bigot.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, honestly, I just don't know what you do with that. I, I uh, for parents. I think it's a warning to them that they need to really protect their kids um, from uh, these kind of influences out there as uh, in every way that they can, which includes the social media. Um, mm-hmm. So I advocate that, that parents be very, very careful. The trouble with that is that if they are policing their kids too much, the kids then will go get this stuff with their, from their friends right. uh, next door. So it's it's a it's an unfair, in my opinion, it's an unfair world uh, for us to to raise kids uh, in a healthy Christian way.
3: Tell you, I'm so glad my kids are in their 30s. Woo! It'd have been it'd have been tough if they were in junior high right now.
2: Yeah, it's like you said. We don't even have to talk about the Christian perspective, though, just common sense. As a boy and a girl are, are, are different beings. Different, you know, they they even. A man and a woman, a boy and a girl, are so different. Anybody with any sense sees that they're different. That's blasphemy. Their emotions are different. Their bodies are different. The way they come at things are different. Uh, Praise God for the difference, you know, Uh, instead of trying to make them the same. Yeah,
3: I got, again, so glad you're here. I just got like a bazillion questions I'd love to fire at you. One last one before I hand it back over to Josh. Cohabitation... Prior to marriage has become the norm. It's become the norm in Christian families. I do a marriage and you know class at our church, and and so often a third of the class is going to be people that are living together that are just trying to make their relationship more Christ-like, and people coming in for therapy here, and they're just wanting their relationship to be everything God wants it to be as they're as they're living together. I noticed in in your book you you do touch on the whole issue of cohabitation. This whole thing of try it for you buy it, actually, is detrimental to the relationship.
2: Right. Uh, you know, just just the, the the bottom line when people get married. Um, if you look at the statistics, when when they're asked do they want to stay married the rest of their life, they always say yes. Essentially, ninety ninety five percent of them say yeah. They they're into this marriage uh, to have it uh, for a life. And yet, uh, they are living together before they get married. Uh, Clearly, the statistics show that if people uh, have sex before they get married, they're more likely to divorce later. So right away, before they even get married, they're hurting their marriage by being involved, by, by cohabiting, or even having sex before they get married. It's pretty amazing that a couple that is planning to get married and does, if they start having sex before they get married, they're more likely to divorce later on. I think it's because... Now, this is just an opinion, pure opinion, but I think it's because when they have sex before married, the girl knows then that she cannot trust the guy uh to be abstinent uh in their relationship after they get married because they got because they had sex before they got married i, I don't know that that's true, but what else would explain the fact that when people had sex before they get married, they'd more likely to divorce later on, and so sure, if they're cohabiting if they've had other relationships, sexual relationships before they get married they're more likely to divorce later on. So the message is don't have sex until you get married. Uh, the scriptures say that, and the science says it, because when you get married, you want that marriage to be healthy and fun and, and trust, trusting and, and the rest of your life. I, you know, just real briefly, you don't. Know, I've been married 57 years. My wife uh, developed Alzheimer's 10 years ago. She doesn't move. She doesn't talk. I went over and fed her breakfast this morning. When I walked in, she just broke into this big smile and started laughing. And she can't even say hi. <laughs> and, you know, that just warmed my heart. I just love being with her because we've been married for seven years. It's a great marriage, and I love that woman. So that's what you have to look forward to if you have this healthy marriage relationship.
1: All right. So as you guys talk, I'm sitting in my 30s. And y'all aren't filling me or our audience with a whole lot of hope for those parents that have kids in their homes now. So, you know, we've focused again on just the vulnerability of women, but certainly some of the things probably uh, um, apply to our young boys as well. So as we talk about adolescent health, how do we cover, so girls are uncovered, how do we cover our girls as well as our boys that are in our home now?
2: Uh, the first thing is, uh, the very first thing is that a man and a woman, a mother, excuse me, mother and a father stay together and raise their children above everything else in science. That is shown to help young people flourish above everything else. So moms and dads, stay together. If you're having trouble, uh, go see Josh and Jimmy and get your, or whoever, <laughs> get your troubles worked out. Go to the Lord, but also if you need to go to a counselor, that's the very first thing. Second, I would really encourage uh, the um, the parents to to read what it is to help raise a girl or help raise a boy as healthy boys and girls. I think the the sexual thing is huge. I think it's one of the biggest things, and I think you need to help young people understand how their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, their their bodies, they're the ones that decide what to do with it. They don't give in to someone else using their bodies. Um, and, and don't have sex until marriage. And then in marriage, enjoy it in a healthy way. Uh, control the social media input and realize that much of that is a pornography and just don't... <laughs> do your best to keep them from even getting started looking at pornography it is like heroin, it's worse than heroin uh, the studies show that, it's a more powerful drug than heroin, it becomes addictive don't let the kids get involved in that at all, ever um, those I, I think, and then also the, the, it's important I think uh, for the kids to be with other kids and other uh, with who have parents that have these same values uh, because we aren't islands. We need to have people around us that agree with these values uh, and will stick to it, even when it's hard. Um, so to me, those, those are sort of foundational things. And, and yes, your kids can grow up healthy and normal, and so it's not uh, a lost cause. Mm. And don't feel like it is. Yeah, the world out there is probably against uh, most of the world. Or the majority are, are against these values, but... Uh, there's there's a book that, that that is to me very encouraging. It's ca- called Coming Apart, and it's by my favorite sociologist, Charles Murray, and he shows that among the people that are successful and are whose kids are doing well, these are the values uh, that that they that mm-hmm. they're holding close, and they are uh, in large part being successful. So that book itself, though it's a secular book, has nothing to do. Uh, with religion and all, uh, points out that if you hold to these values, you, you are more likely to have kids that, that get through high school, get through college, then get married, don't have babies out of, out of wedlock, and and are and by the, the the values that we uh, value in this culture, success and doing well and having good families. That it can happen.
1: Guys, I know you want more information about Dr. McElhaney, and so you can go to his website, the Medical Institute of Sexual Health website at medinstitute.org. They're also on Facebook and Twitter. It is at MedInstitute. Uh, Joe,
3: thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. We need to do this again.
2: Uh, anytime, and because I just love getting this message out. It's my heart is in it, as you can tell. And thank you for your being to Josh and Jerry. Thank you, Docs.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: He was a wealth of information, and he gave five or six things about how we or tips on how we cover our young people that are still in our home. And I kind of synthesized them into a list of four things. He talked about the importance of community, so being around similar families. Mm -hmm. Talked about the importance of educating our kids on sex, on porn, on their bodies and the right that they have to give it or not give it. So community, education, the marriage relationship, and that being quality and having a kind of a trickle-down effect of, of then it produces quality relationships within the family. So relationships, community, education, and then just proper supervision. He talked about social media as well as pornography
3: boundaries. I think, you know, from a, from a parental point of view, it's, it's comprehensively taking back over this area of our life. We can't leave it to schools. We can't leave it to the church. We can't leave it, Lord, to the Internet or to, you know, media in general. You know, parents have to do it. If there was just a resource that really talked about a comprehensive way of teaching our kids about sex mm. if there was just one, almost a, a, it's maybe like a resource that really kind of just don't be afraid, parents, you Like parenting that you do it not afraid. I've never heard anything like that. If there was just something, I will. I'm not going to say it. I'm not either because I'm not shameless, fearless parenting to have a way of of addressing this. But it really does come down to everything that Joe just said. It's parents, you have to take this back. You've got to be the one to instill sexual values in your child. You can't just raise them. And let them just kind of be in the house and just kind of do what we do, and because if we just kind of raise them up in the house and let them do what we do as a culture, then they're right in the middle of all these stats. We've got to take it back, and we, uh, you know, his warning against pornography, about social media, about all of that, and I I don't want to sound because I don't like Fox News either, but the the mainstream media is a mouthpiece of this radical left that's telling our children to choose their gender. And I mean and I mean I mean down to the and again, I'm not a fan of Fox News, so don't give me any news that's partisan, which means don't watch any news. There is no unpartisan news anymore. Paradox is very unpartisan. Oh well, there's us. But we, you know none of them, none of them. Every news outlet you will look at has an agenda, has a political agenda, and it's just nauseating. So we can't leave that to inform us and then therefore let's inform our children because it's skewed. It's it's false. And so for us to take that over, back over ourselves to educate our kids about sexuality.
1: To kind of summarize, I give Joe's tips on saving children and you plug your book. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that what we're kind of wrapping things yes, up with? That's perfect.
3: Okay, okay. Yes, Um, fearless parenting. Yes, I was thinking that would be the perfect fearless parenting (laughs) thing. uh, If
1: you want more information about this episode as well as others, it is ParadoxPodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that information there as well. But we also
3: need to tell them on Thursdays, 2 o'clock Central, you're going to be able to interact with the docs on YouTube.
1: And by interact, ask questions. I had to make
3: up questions this past (laughs) week. And halfway through, I didn't realize they were made up. <laughs> I was going. Some of these people were being very familiar with me. I don't. It's making me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> no, you were just making them up. But join us on Thursdays at two o'clock Central. It's on YouTube. I forget how you find this. It's just Docs Podcast, right? No,
1: it's Paradox Podcast. You have to Paradox. search Paradox Podcast. Paradox Podcast on YouTube. Uh, guys, have a great rest of your day. See ya.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to JulieLylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Guys, welcome, what in
1: the world? Welcome, this is Paradox, I'm Jimmy. That's you're very loud. You're yelling at us,
3: Emma. Uh, This is paradox. I am Josh. I am discoing down. Mm. Come on, get your bell bottoms, your elephant bells, get your platform shoes. You
1: can't see me right now, but I'm kneeling in protest.